0: In today's episode we bring you the best bits from our recent event Diffusion. Diffusion is our quarterly gathering of the Metaverse community featuring conversations with Web3 visionaries and the next wave of builders. I am Marisa Clifford, Video Producer at Outlier Adventures and you're about to listen to a conversation that's packed with valuable insights for those interested in the intersection of sports, fashion and Web3. Our guest is Erica Wixnett, the VP of Adidas Free Stripe Studio, the Web3 initiative of Adidas. Erica is a change agent with a fascinating career path and shares her insights into building a strong Web3 community. So let's dive in and learn more about Adidas' efforts in Web3.
1: I mean, obviously, you're you're a public company. You know, you're used to managing millions of consumers, both the good and the bad side of that, the, the challenges that come with it. Unlike, say, a new native Web3 initiative that all of a sudden effectively finds themselves as a public company without all the infrastructure and lawyers and PR teams and comms teams. What's, what's different about operating within the web three community versus just being a large company with, with, with consumers and a degree of public accountability. Is it harder? Do you think, or is actually there's, there's, as a company of your scale, it's quite, yeah.
2: There's more risk and you have to find the sweet spot of wanting to be a pioneer and a renegade who's, I mean, doing cool shit and culture, that's gonna get talked about, gonna build brand heat, gonna get people to take interest and really feel like Adidas is credible and a brand that they want to connect with that represents them. And at the same time, how do you mitigate risk? Because we're a 75 year old brand who has a lot of legacy and intellectual property and partnerships that we need to do. We gotta constantly be talking about de-risking. There is a sweet spot in between that, which I think we're constantly debating and trying to find. Even getting into this space with, look at this last year and how the catastrophes have just fallen upon the cryptocurrency space with like Three Arrow collapsing Luna and you got FTX. Like, we don't want to be embroiled in those conversations. We want to also help be part of the solution of decoupling the collection of digital goods from, and and participating in the space from... The negative behaviors that can happen while we need to still get regulation figured out and established ethics around fintech, crypto, you know, the space as well, that needs to continue to happen. So I think as a brand, we're constantly looking at that, the intersection of those two things. And that's a challenge to navigate. So I would say the, the risk, as well as balancing that with, with trying to be perceived as a hot, interesting, compelling brand that's relevant to youth culture.
1: And I guess that's why it makes sense to have somebody that is a career brand strategist, because effectively you're both creating brand equity, you're building brand equity at the same time you're protecting it, right? You're making sure that you're not doing anything that damages it. And and you're navigating that really, really fine line that most organizations just aren't even prepared to kind of take that risk. So maybe let's look forward. We've got a couple of minutes left. What trends are you excited by, you know, if we're thinking about virtual gear, I think as you you guys call it, what does that mean? How are we going to see these things? What innovations are going to be driving that in 23 and beyond?
2: So it's a great question. And this is the thing that I'm actually sitting in a workshop right now, working through some of the things I'm most excited about. I think that this year in this crypto winter in this market and a down market, it's a huge opportunity. It's, it's an opportunity to find the people who really got in for values, who cared about the same reasons and the same things that got Adi Dossler to stay up late, to get out of bed early, to make products that are best for the athlete It's why Adidas Originals started its original store for Adidas Originals was a flea market. I mean, a total cultural exchange of craft. It's now I think what's going to happen is a lot of the grifting and the bad behavior and some of the folks that were in it for the quick cash grab are on the sidelines. And the people that weren't necessarily in it because they wanted to build and make the space better, show up and make the space better uh, are looking for other other opportunities at the time. So it's a chance to reconnect with the soul of why we all really truly believe in blockchain, in transparency, in ownership and this ownership economy and want to double down on our investment of time and money. So I think that's something that gets me excited. As a result, I want to do business models that are profitable and generate revenue. I want to be the most profitable business unit in Adidas like don't get me wrong, but I want to do it by proving that there are business models that enable the remuneration of the community inside the stuff that we bring to market, not just paying the elite celebrities or giving too many frameworks and narrowing in on what you can and can't do with the brand with this intellectual property. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing more important to Adidas than the three stripes, you know, IP. When you see those three stripes, there's an emotional connection, there's history, there's legacy, there's lore, theres it's so important to us. But there's a way for us to start to give back to the community, to the builders and the creators and the athletes that have helped establish the Three Stripes. And that's what I wanna do is start to find those new business models that bring them in on it and help them also make not only some of the social currency and cloud, but give them a bigger platform as a result of participating and co-creating with us next year. So. That's going to show up in different ways. That's what I get most excited about is really purpose and purposeful brand strategy is baked in because it's on chain.
1: And I know when we were talking off that, one of the reasons why you were keen to come on Diffusion was really to... Extend an open invite to innovators, founders, creators to collaborate with Adidas. How, how do they go about doing that? How do they reach out and where can they find you, other members of your team? And are there any specific initiatives that you're going to be driving in 23 that they can get involved in? Yes,
2: yeah, so you can jump in our Discord. We have a holders chat. I spend a lot of my time there, but we have a general chat that's moderated 24-7 by six incredible mods. Come find us there, opportunities, if you have them for the brand they pop up, they come to us, and we see them all. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. I think this is an invitation because you have a pretty unique community, Jamie. You guys are speaking to the the builders and the futurists, and we want to stand with them and for them. And so, I think it's an opportunity for us as a brand to take some of those big ideas and aspirations that we have and say, you know, we don't know all the cool shit going on. So, Reach out, let us know we're here and we'd love to be a part of the journey.
0: That's a wrap right for this first conversation that I picked for you. I hope you found Erica's insights and experience to be as inspiring as I did. It was a pleasure having her on the show and learning more about Adidas' unique approach to building a Web3 community. Don't go anywhere because this next best bit I carefully chose for you to listen to. Our second best bit features our panel discussion on building Web3. Hosted by Outlier CMO Des Martin, a former founder himself, we've got an exciting panel including Carol Hillson of Farfetch, Chai Jiang Yang of Panthera Capital, and Esther O'Callaghan of Hondo. Our three guests respectively share their experience in corporate innovation investing and entrepreneurship to give early stage founders a comprehensive view of the do's and don'ts of building in the web3 space so maybe to open things
3: up and as i said we're talking about kind of insights um esther um, i would love to get your perspective um uh, and you could tell us about what it's like to be a founder in the current environment Um, and perhaps you know give us insight into some of the challenges but also some of the the advantages that you're seeing at the moment
4: so um hundo uh is yeah, just a little bit about the company for context um we've uh, been in existence for two years Um so we started during covid uh we closed our first round in the second week of the first lockdown um and it's so for me it's kind of going we don't really know how to be a business that or a startup that hasn't gone through uh incredibly tough challenging times um, and i do feel for a lot of founders um out in the space at the moment. And I think for us, um, from a, you know, we, we obviously successfully did a pre-seed uh, seed round. Um, and then obviously um, you know, kind of you start to watch markets um moving. And I think the biggest thing for founders at the moment, um, things that I've learned, I suppose, um, you know, reflections is the best thing that you can do as a founder um is focus on why you're doing what you're doing um you know how you're doing it (laughs) Um, and try to if you are going to enter you know a fundraising world start to try to think about your business um from the lens of the investors that you are talking to um if i've learned anything it's not that um VCs particularly don't like your company. Um, the metrics that they look at are very different um, to the metrics that a founder looks at. at you know, at particularly early stage, um, you you know you grow up quite quickly uh, when you go from startup into you know into scale up. Um, but I think it's that really. You know, I think founders. You know, certainly I, I, look. I am a founder, but I know lots. You know, a lot of founders, and it's kind of going. Um, I think having a very very clear. Uh, purpose you know of what you're building you know rather than just kind of and, and where your market is i mean i think that's the biggest thing i see so many um you know founders who've got a great idea but they don't they have to, there's no marketplace for it you know i call it um i kind of call it you know great product i still call it great product graveyard because it's going like there are some really really fantastic products in the world and things that should exist in the world Um, but i would i would urge every single founder not because we get it right you know because we've had to pivot and be agile and you know and change things to really 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 try to identify exactly what the pain point is that they're trying to solve um you know what why are you building this you know why are you building this business um you know what 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 value is it bringing um, into the world and I think particularly for web3 founders um it's such a massive opportunity um to fundamentally change um, the way things are, um, and that's really exciting. Um, but you are also finding yourself in kind of nascent, early category defining space, <laughs> uh, which is which is difficult because there's no checklist for what we do because no one's done it before. Um, so, so I would yeah have a good team around you, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's a you know most people don't choose to start businesses. You know it's tough whatever markets are doing. Um, you know being a founder is. Uh, it's your whole life, you know. For me, certainly, you know, it's yeah, it's it's everything um, that I do. So I, um, yeah, I have a huge amount of empathy, um, and for yeah, for all of the founders uh, tuning in today, particularly if you if you you know involved with outlier, thinking about getting involved with outlier, that was a massive game changer for us. Um, so um, so yeah, yeah, and uh, just uh, keep going.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Esther. Um, one of the things that attracted me to work with outlier is you know i see founders as they're one of the real change agents they're one of the 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 groups of people who actually change things you know you look back at some of the the big companies of today they started with founders from steve jobs to to you know many many others um and, and they had a huge huge impact so um keep going it's it's something that um i think when founders are in the trenches it's always often hard to see the perspective but um it's a really really important role for for everybody for for, for society um Chia, um, I would love to get your perspective on on how Web3 investing has changed from, you know, a little bit over maybe 14 months ago, November 2021, the markets were riding high to today when when things are in a very, very different position.
5: Sure. Um, I think that's a pretty good question. I think that, as we know, the uh, funding climate has become um, far more difficult um for the vast majority of the companies out there. Um, you know, despite the the record number of dry powder that has accumulated since then. Um I think that the main thing that's probably most relevant to founders is the bar for what is necessary to raise. Um I think it's far easier to, you know, raise on speculative ideas. It's far easier to, you know, also make money, um, when the entire market is going up as it did in the entire Q4, um, 2021, Q1, 2022 period. And we, we, we saw, you know, VCs really able to deploy at a very fast clip, um, for ideas that, you know, didn't necessarily, um, have PMF being able to raise a ton of money and being able to, um, you know, uh, build out a very long runway. So there are a lot of actually very, I think, lucky companies during that period that raised something insane, like two, three, all the way to ten. Um, I think the record um, that I've, I've seen so far is about a hundred years of runway, um, which I think is, you know, pretty great for them. Um, I don't think that, that climate um, and that kind of funding environment is necessarily going to come back. Um, anytime soon at least um, in the near term and so I think it goes back to you know really fundamentals of product market fit um fundamentals of being able to demonstrate a very strong thesis about why something necessarily um, work out uh having come from a TradFi uh VC background um, and fintech especially I think uh, have seen the you know, immense amount of data and, um, proof points that founders, um, used to have to raise on, um, both, you know, before even the, 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 kind of boom, um, of the past few years, um, but also, um, you know, just in, uh, just in general. And so I think, um, being able to articulate a very clear thesis has become more important than ever, um, um, compared to, you know, 14 months ago. Uh, the other thing I'll quickly mention is, of course, the liquidity issue that um, most founders are seeing these days. Um, I think being able to be very precise about the um, ability to attract liquidity in a very focused way as opposed to the more general GPM methods.
3: Awesome. Um, uh, and maybe looking forward, Chia, um, You know, as an investor, I presume you're seeing a lot of different trends. And I'm guessing people who are tuning in are always keen and we mentioned providing insights for people on the uh who who have have, uh, tuned in um what are you seeing as trends for this coming year 2023
5: yeah um i think we i think the positive news um i think everyone gives this a lot now so i'll just repeat it once which is you know um we've seen a lot of the speculators go away we've seen a lot of focus on infrastructure players focus on doubling down and and, you know fixing what we know has been broken um in in the the general infrastructure layer being able to focus on rediscovering pmf i think for even for companies who have raised uh significant amounts of money a lot of them have had to revamp other things about pmf where a lot of them want to revamp other things about um the types of products that they want to do focus on uh, and emphasize on, especially for with, you know, shorter runways. So I think that's um the main thing that's top of mind of, of most folks um at the moment. Um I do think that we have come to the realization that you know that there are two separate universes um within the crypto environment, which is, you know, um the continued establishment of regulated um, financial rails using the blockchain, which is interesting for you know, the vast majority of institutions um, and mainstream um, audiences out there, as well as the very separate creation of a new financial system, which is more censorship resistant um, and more able to um, operate without real-world ties. And so I think it's very interesting to see that. Uh, the creation of these two very different industries and markets, um, evolve in parallel. Um, the other thing I think I would say just as a note of optimism is that a lot of the existing infrastructure, as, as we've seen, have broken down, um, over the past year. And that has resulted in, I think, a lot more opportunities than people realize. I think one concrete example of this would be. Um, I think if I would try to pitch, for example, a new, um, reg, a, a new kind of regulated institutional exchange, um, back in November 2021, um, most people have not and said, you know, the space is super crowded. Um, a lot of this, um, already exists. And I think with the current destruction of a lot of incumbents, um, a lot of the losses that we've, we've seen, um, there have been opportunities that have popped up across the entire value chain. Um, and so I think it's actually a pretty interesting time to uh, invest, which is time to build. Um, I think a lot of the incumbents have to be really benefit, um and that creates opportunities.
3: Thanks, Chia. Um, and, and Carol, um, why do you think accelerators are important um, in the, the Web3 and, and fashion and culture space?
6: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, I mean, generally, Um, Accelerators are a key part of the startup ecosystem and creating platforms and space to help companies grow and succeed at a critical time in their journey. um, Just as Esther and Chia are are, are really talking to. Um, I think in particular in in Web3 and also layering on the the fashion um, cultures of tech and space, we're very aware of, of two things. We really do believe Web3 has a pivotal role to play in the future of luxury. We see just huge potential for it to really step change the digital experience uh, for the industry and the underlying infrastructure. Um, but at the same time, uh, we've been supporting startups for, for many years, including accelerators. Um, and we just we know how hugely challenging it is um, for, for all startups and on all, all founders. But particularly in our space where technology and, and certainly innovative technology isn't always seen as very valued or, or very understood uh, within the industry. Um, and it can be also very a very hard space to really get into and understand under the hood, and so therefore we we felt there was a, a clear need and a, a clear opportunity, but there was just nowhere for that opportunity to really be um, housed and built and and, and supported, um, and so we have been running accelerators for uh, since uh, 2018. And we were always, I guess, industry friends with Outlier <laughs> Adventures as well. Uh, so therefore, we uh, so we came together and decided to to launch uh, Dream Assembly Basecamp. Um, and I think it was it was a very new idea, and it does. I mean, we launched it at the the start of last summer, and it does feel that that was just a very long time ago. <laughs> and so we weren't sure. Uh, exactly what the reaction and the impact would be able to be had to have as an accelerator, very specifically focused in that area. But really, we were we were very blown away, blown away by the applications, just as you're talking about, it, Des, we, we saw this, certainly with our uh, launch of our accelerator um, last year, we had over 250 companies apply, um, really, really expansive use cases, really incredible founders from all around the gro- globe, and managed to, to whittle that down to a really great cohort of eight. Uh, we saw just... Um, Uh, We also managed to have over 50 incredible mentors, so just incredibly a uh, strong representation of the, of the, the wider ecosystem as well. 50 incredible mentors from thought leaders to investors, to kind of first wave builders who really gave their time to support this kind of next wave and this next cohort. And most importantly, we did see really great strides by all the companies during that 12 week program from, um, uh, getting investment, getting investment ready and then getting investment, really making big strides on their business development, uh, team growth, core strategy, etc, as well. So um, I think accelerators are always really important, I think, in this space in particular, and the lens that we specifically look at, it's really almost essential, I think, um, and certainly in what we've seen in the, over the last, um, just over six months of, of doing this, we've really kind of validated, I think, that thinking um, in the experience that we've had.
3: Yeah, completely. And just before this section, we had the the short kind of one minute videos from all of our base camp participants, and it's been fascinating to see. But the Farfetch teams have developed um, in, in a really interesting way. So it's the the Dream Assembly uh, Basecamp teams in conjunction with Farfetch they've they've developed in a very very interesting way. So it's been it's been great to see. Maybe extending on that, um, Carol, would you have advice for startups that are looking um to work with um you know fashion brands? big brands uh, like like farfetch
6: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with Farfetch we have a, a fairly um, dedicated pathway uh, from 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 startups to 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 Farfetch. You know, Farfetch themselves are only fourteen years old. We're still founder-led ourselves. You know, so we're kind of like a you know big sort of grown-up startup. I think in some ways, um, very much. So for us in particular, we we have a, a dedicated pathway for for startups either through um, our accelerator for Web three or directly with the team to work on um, key services and experiences. Uh, We do have themes, so we do work on certain things um, at at any given time. So I think that's um, that's good good to to note. I think for um, other businesses, I think in particular what we've seen within Web3, I think the reality, especially in luxury, is there is a long sales cycle, unfortunately, and it can just take a huge amount of effort to um, just engage in that. Sales sale cycle rather than actually so we just get to the kind of the end and and hopefully to close that that sale um fashion and particularly in luxury um all like to play it very cool of course so we live up to our name of our industry without doubt. I mean not so much Barba, but you know other other brands I'm sure so I think it can be quite a challenging um conversation to even even start and uh keep going as well but I would do. I think I would just expect it to be quite a long sales cycle and one that you have to play quite keenly uh, with, with the, the, the client. I think most importantly, I mean, very similar to actually what Esther's is talking about in terms of investors is a whole new layer of storytelling, I think, for businesses really listening and really spending some time listening to feedback about what the business really needs and what they don't. And it usually is. It can be quite black and white, and that's because businesses work on annual cycles, and they have invest uh, you know investments that structures in certain ways, and budgets and strategies, etc. So unfortunately, you know, if it's just not on their radar, and it's not something that they have any appetite for, obviously, you know, you can you can pitch and pitch and pitch and, and sometimes it can get through but often they just have a really certain focus and what they're looking at. Certainly within web three there'll be maybe one idea that they want to do with a certain launch or certain product, some other companies have invested a bit more or maybe looking at more sort of scalable infrastructure solutions now etc, and that's just that—that that is just the reality, um, they will have a certain lens Um and then so really listening to to the feedback um and i think the other thing within the space that we've really we've seen um ourselves and through um the different startups that we've worked with is the need to actually provide quite a, a heavy amount of education and almost consultancy as long as well as as well as selling your product you have to really sell the whole thing like the whole web three thing sometimes the whole use case sometimes actually really educate about what this could be what the go-to-market could look like what the kind of year one year two could look like etc because actually sometimes what we find is a really interesting discussion where Uh, Startups are coming with like this great product we've got this great product um, and the brands are saying great well you know how would we use it and there's just a kind of mess about who's going to who's been driving what part um, of the story, and so I think what I would say, particularly within any emerging technology, but especially within web three is really go like very deep into the storytelling and all the different surrounding parts of what your product uh, or around your product to really help the brand um, understand not just what you're doing but how they can use it how they could launch it etc um, so that would be my advice it is uh, very challenging though uh, unfortunately
3: but thank you and um, some, some great insights i love that reference to storytelling it's something that's been coming up on a lot of conversations i've had recently and we seem to have returned, I think, with kind of maybe the Web 2 or the more traditional elements of Web. Things got very analytics based and very, you know, keyword heavy and, and all of the things are, are relevant, but storytelling is back. And I think the Web 3 canvas is so much more colorful, there's so much more we can bring in that it's it's become a really, it's like uh, there's a resurgence in, in storytelling in, in a really creative way, which, which I personally love to see. Um, Maybe a wider question for, for for the entire panel and and um uh, maybe i'll throw it out there and we'll see who, who would like to who would like to take this one um how would you advise founders and i know on the, the stream at the moment um, we have people who are considering making the jump into web3 or they're very early stage founders so how would you advise those founders that have an idea for a project or a company but they're not sure if this is the year they're thinking to themselves maybe i should wait um, or maybe now is not the right time for various different reasons what would be your advice to those founders considering making the jump um i'll throw it out there but perhaps esther as a founder maybe you would yeah i feel
4: like i'm gonna repeat what i said um you know front but i don't um i don't know if there's ever a good time or a bad time i think it's really for me it's about what what are you building um rather than is it this year or is it you know next year i think for us um if it, you know if it, I'm, I'm not a, i'm not a young founder um so it's not my first rodeo um but it's kind of going like if you couldn't see the crash coming <laughs> um you know um in a, in a you know in an over you know in an overheated market you know it's kind of going i think there's there's much more i think i always go back to it doesn't matter what business you're building or what market you're building it in is my personal view um it's like the fundamentals remain the same you know do you have a viable uh, business model <laughs> you know do you have enough enough powder in the bank you know like do you have enough runway do you understand you know, I, I started off running a record shop which everyone thinks is the coolest thing in the world it's still rent rates payroll <laughs> salaries you know uh shipping you know uh, £3.50 average cost vinyl, you know, to cover 50 grand's worth of overhead is, you know, is no mean feat. And I think it's, I think it's more that really, I think there is a sort of a perception of certainly for younger founders, I'd say, you know, that it's like, oh, you know, you start up and you're going to raise loads of money, it's going to be great. And it belies the real truth of, of what a what a new business is, you know, a startup is a new business. Um, it, you know, that fundamental doesn't change. Um, and, and as I say, not sitting here because we get it right. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here going, um, just learn, learn really quick. <laughs> um and and I think, you know, and I would always say, um, you know, I've had really good mentors, you know, um throughout my, you know, career. And um actually, you know, if you are, it doesn't matter what age you are, but it's almost going like, um, what are you prepared? Uh, not to lose, I don't mean financially, I don't mean your house of all of that. But it's like, you know, when you choose to be a founder and you go on that journey it requires sacrifices. Um, and it's much more about, I think, I think for me a founder's journey is is deeply personal. Um, so I would I would kind of try and avoid the noise um, and, and sort of really, really think deeply about what it is that you're doing, why you want to do it. Um, if it's to get rich, I'd um, say so probably easier ways of doing that. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, and, and don't get don't get caught up in the hype and don't get caught up in the cycles. Um, if you believe that you've got something and you can do it, and and it doesn't really matter what year it is. Um, so you know the one thing that we know about markets is they are cyclical. That's why we give them names. um So so you know I think I, I do agree that this year is about building uh, and uh, and slowing you know kind of slowing down and, and really really getting to, ba- you know, to back to basics, which is what we are doing as well.
3: Yeah. Um, and as a founder or previously a founder myself I I fully get what you're saying about learning you got to become a learning machine um and and in my own journey it was like losing your ego losing your um uh you know um all, all, all there's a lot of things you have to to let go as part of that journey that that journey of discovery um, and sacrifice that you mentioned um uh so like a, a lot has happened in the last 12 months what advantages? Um, does web three have at the moment in particularly advantages over over web two but maybe you know um maybe we can expand it expand it out a little bit um so opening that up to 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 everyone um anyone like to to jump on that
6: yeah i mean i can uh certainly jump in i think there's there's the advantages are there's there's still so many opportunities to unearth or to, to properly build into i think there's Still, just huge amounts of case uh, use cases that we can see even within our industry um, um, to to keep on developing. I think momentum is still uh, really really high. The innovation cycle is so uh, short, uh, really um, amazingly short. And what wasn't possible six months ago is really possible now. And so um, I think that means that you obviously have to keep super nimble. Um, but the landscape of opportunities for new use cases is forever evolving. Um, and I think for it, there certainly is still a wave and there's a wave of um, opportunity still, especially for, you know, early stage, um uh, companies who want to build into kind of new areas, there's still a really I, um, I and Chia can and to, can tell me if this is true or not, but there's still a very healthy flow of investment there, and so there's still a good cushion um, to be able to build into into newness. And I think what's really important at these times of of technical evolution and momentum is there's like a compounding effect for the people that are in are in there and building. And maybe you know you'll build and it won't go very well, and you'll have to have you know your next your next vision is is the next one or etc. But you'll be learning so much. Really Really new nascent information and building on that, and I think that will be what's so important in the net, in, in in the future. It's just the waves of opportunity are changing so much. An example of that is we've worked in digital fashion for quite a few um, years now, and maybe even just a couple of years ago, the big question was how do you how are you going to create three D assets for in a luxury level for under like two grand an item, and that was what brands were paying. And really, very quickly now, um, we get to the point where Curia, a company it was on our cohort actually just really optimizing all of the innovation and all of the opportunity of AI to actually start creating automated 3D assets from 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 different inputs from from a two D two D variation, and therefore then you get to the point where you can actually have three D assets of luxury goods et cetera, which can fuel just so many different use cases now in Web three and bridging Web two to Web three as well. So um, I think for me it's just um, just huge huge opportunities and huge uh, huge new ground to to build into for lots of different uh, founders hopefully
3: awesome um and chia maybe to bring you in on on that point um that carol mentioned um you know that there is we, we hear about you know investors and investor money still flowing into the space any any insights or perspective that you can share um on how investors are looking at the space and and the the, the likely funds flow in in
5: 2023 yeah i mean i i think i'll just repeat what i mentioned earlier which is really just you know the Bob PMF. I don't, um, I think that, you know, there's still a lot of dry powder seeing on the sidelines that is waiting and ready to deploy. Um, I think that the main, fundamentally the main disconnect I see really on, on the PMF point is what that bar should look like. I think there's been a lot of, um, the market education of what PMF looks like in the crypto industry is, has not been good. And if you compare that to you know I I still haven't tracked my portfolio either, you know founders I previously invested to from funds, fund so just my angel portfolio, um, the the level of conversation on PnF and the bar to raise accordingly just day and night um, when I talk to I track five founders versus um, crypto founders and you know I think as an industry we've essentially raised a quote unquote generation of of you know both investors and, and also kind of operators who um have been used to optimizing for certain metrics, which uh, are not actually representative of the ability to be profitable. Um, and so I think um, this really, really is, is coming. Um, I was a FinTech investor that was also a FinTech boom during COVID. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of lessons there for traditional founders also, um, but certainly will in far heavier lesson for the crypto industry um and so i think the, the faster the founders are able to get the speed back what this should look like i think the.
3: are so, maybe to jump in on something you mentioned there you're saying that your know, pmf product market fish so founders in web3 don't really recognize pmf um can you help them understand could, could you share some insights that would help them understand you know, it sounds like what you're saying is it's very well established in, in, in TradFi and maybe some of those spaces, but not as well established in Web3. Is there gaps you see?
5: Yeah, I, I wouldn't use that, language necessarily. I you know I don't think it's, you know, a good performance. That now, you know, I think the the level of the spin around, you know, what I need before I raise or what I should be optimizing for at a specific speed, right? Because, um, you know, where capital is cheap, there is no discipline, there's no need for specific discipline within a specific timeline, well, i.e. profitability, not that companies be profitable obviously, but you know that timeline and speed and data, uh, changes accordingly. And so that's something to, to bear in mind on. Um, it is extremely difficult, I think, and crypto to find PMF. I think there's a lot of things that we're trying to figure out. Um, layer for well, the large part, it's still broken. And so how do you um, you know, if you're a consumer facing um, um, company, how do you build um, when the infra layer is broken? Um, if you're in- building on the infra, how do you build if there's a limited number of dApps, um that will serve as clients, right? Like this is a, this is a big problem. Um, the market is fundamentally still relatively small, relatively thin. We're still growing it at the fast pit, but that's uh, a very different dynamic, I think, from, from what we're used to, where we would say, hey, that the market is very big right now in traditional whatever tech industry. Um, we just need to be able to build something and go aggressively for it. It's a very different mindset shift. Sure. Um, that's an additional obstacle when building in crypto. And that's something I think to bear in mind um, when we think about PMF, when we think about what's built, when we think about um fundamentalism. Um okay. and so I think all of these uh, uh just really tough obstacles the to, the work with ECs
3: zone." Good insights, Chia. Thank you very much. So we're coming to the end of our panel. I want to say a huge thank you to to our panelists, Esther from Hondo, Chia um, from Pantera Capital, and Carol from our Dream Assembly, camp, and Farfetch. So big thank you to everybody and thank you to those who, who joined in and tuned in. And hopefully we will see you all at the, the next Diffusion in three months time.
0: That's a wrap for our best bits. I hope you found these insights helpful for getting a comprehensive view of the web free space and its current trends and opportunities. Until next time, we'll see you over the horizon.